Hi everybody, today's podcast episode is a van life update and I managed to get my husband on the podcast with me. So we're discussing everything that we've done so far, what, where we've been, what we thought of the place and the challenges as well as we've gone along van lifing with a cat around Australia. So stay tuned, a little bit of a different episode for you today. So yeah. Welcome to One Moment Please the podcast where our guests take a moment to tell their stories of how they've overcome adversity to achieve success and you take a moment to tune in to bring on the inspiration. Well hello everybody we'll have to be quick for this update we've got a very hungry cat in the van (laughs) but I wanted to give you an update in regards to the trip so far and how we're finding it it's very different to us and we are now on the east coast thank goodness we are in humidity rather than dry heat sapping every ounce of moisture out of our skin Um, but it has been a interesting experience what do you reckon interesting oh i've got my husband here i managed to get him on the yeah i was waiting for the intro (laughs) but i obviously didn't warrant one no i do the intro separately babe because you never listen to the podcast that's all right i forgive you I hear your wonderful voice enough times <laughs> throughout the course of a 24-hour period. I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> that is the excuse that I tell everybody that you hear me listen to me enough as it is. Although you don't actually ever action anything that I do. Well, now you. that I can hear you, but that's a whole other story. Um, another example of um, you should just do everything that I say, really. I'm sure that that's probably the easiest solution. All right. Well, we'll let the listeners find out after they hear the story. Okay. So we went from uh, country. We used to live in Melbourne. We went to country Victoria for a bit. So my parents, and then we moved on to Adelaide, which was lovely. Adelaide's a very pretty city. Um, A big country town, really. Yeah. I loved Adelaide. Yeah. I'd, I'd had some very bad misconceptions about how boring it was but it's actually there's plenty of things to do and and beautiful beautiful streets i think if you were after a bit of nightlife everyone was saying it's not really nightlifey but i think that <laughs> sorry we do actually have a very hungry cat in the van <laughs> we're trying to do this quickly um he did get fed about a couple of hours ago so he's just being a menace. A menace, yeah. Anyway, so Adelaide was beautiful. We both loved Adelaide and, and a lot of the country in South Australia as well we loved. Port Adelaide in particular, we actually were surprised from a very... Well, you were surprised. I had no interest in it. Yeah, okay. And nice beaches. <laughs> um, yes. And for those that are following George, the travelling cat, that photo of him on the beach was in Adelaide. So... That was his first beach experience. And it he was. left his mark. <laughs> It was a big kitty litter box for him. <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> he did a wee wee. <laughs> um, from there, we went to Port Augusta, which was so, is sort of the gateway to Central Australia, really. It's sort of the last stop in the coastish area um, before you head up. And that was a bit of an eye-opener in regards to what was to come, really. Well, we met some people there that sort of gave us a bit of an indication of what to be aware of. Um, you always keep a full tank of gas, those sorts of things, because it is a very, very diesel. large expanse of um of land, and yeah, a lot of diesels required. Yeah, so our van's a diesel van. It's a Mercedes Sprinter. Um, 
because we had to get it as is, it doesn't have any insulation within the wall panelling. Um, and we ha we've we've done thermal insulation for the window coverings, but it's only so much. So it does get hot and it does get cold, which we discovered. So Port Augusta was interesting, dirty. Yeah, there wasn't much there, to be honest. I mean, it it is what it is. Um but uh, we didn't expect it to be too much, except for that gateway. It's it's where the the road turns right, and we head north, and we I keep going north. I expected it to be a bit more there. Yeah. Yeah. It was anyway. It's a. It's not to say it's a bad place. No, it's a hole. There's just not much there. No. Yeah. Then we went to Cooperpedi. Cooperpedi is the under famous for everyone living underground because it's so hot. It's the desert, so they all live underground in. Um, homes that they've carved out of the rocks, basically blowing up because uh, it's a mining town. So they use explosives to blow up and ha and they also handpick out the houses. Um, and that was interesting. It was a very lunar landscape is probably a way to describe it. Things sort of go to die there. They ship sort of materials and, and equipment there and it's just left. Yeah, it's... Um... It's one of those places that um, they make use of every last bit of Resource. resources that they can get their hands on because it, things are very limited and it is that sort of environment where things do decay quite quickly, rusting and, and wear, wear and tear is pretty, pretty full on up there. Mm. I did find some great characters to have on the podcast, but they declined to go on the record. Um and not to say that these guys had anything to do with any of the, uh, I don't know how you put it, the history of the town in some respects. Yeah, I mean, it's the real wild west of Australia in the central, obviously the central part of Australia, but the, the, the stories of of, uh, of fights leading to people blowing each other's houses up with sticks of dynamite. Or courthouses <laughs> being blown up or... Um, there's a lot of blowing up happening in that place, yeah. <laughs> it seemed to be them. The, the way to win most arguments <laughs> is a stick of dynamite. Which, I mean, we can laugh at. This was back in the 80s and stuff, so the people were telling us sort of how it used to be. It is a dying town, unfortunately, now, um, famous for the open mining there. But, it, I don't know, I kind of, I, it was, I felt very uncomfortable there in regards to walking down the street by myself. There was a very, particularly that first day, I don't know what was going on that first day, but when we first drove in, there was a real edge of, I don't know, it wasn't pleasant that first day. Second day wasn't too bad, but I certainly wasn't walking anywhere by myself. Yeah, look, it's um, it's definitely a place very different from what we're used to. I think it was one of the biggest first culture shocks that we were going to experience on this trip. So, And I think that's been interesting because it is very much... Because Australia is so large, it's almost the east coast and then the desert. And we have not had any, well, I haven't had any experience in regards to the desert. Um, so this was that trip to sort of see more of Australia. And it was very eye-opening in regards to the difference in terms of, I mean, there's, there's city, then there's country life, which is still sort of coastal. But in the country, I've experienced that. But this was like desert living which is very different yeah and again uh exposure to indigenous cultures and ways of life that we're we're not that privy to given our 
previous well, living conditions. But also, a lot of it is that they don't divulge it to white man. They, yeah, it's a it's a sacred dream time. Uh, Their own tribe stories usually remain within the mob. Within the mob, yeah, yeah. So um, that's. Uh, you also, the, yeah, but you it. also met some interesting um, European miners that came here to make their fortune and they came for a year and stayed for their life type of thing. Yeah, yes. And unfortunately, none of them wanted to go on, on record. It was uh, very much, one of them said to me, Cooperpedia is a place that people go to get lost and don't want to be found or that are misfits in society and go there because everyone's a misfit in society. So... Given that description, you can kind of understand why they didn't want to go on the record, which was um, disappointing. But still, very, very interesting. <laughs> well, I like opals. I never knew I liked opals. I knew, I found out a lot about them. It was also the location for... Um, Mad Max? Well, l- lots of different movies, including things like Priscilla Queen of the Desert, Mad Max, etc. But uh, I also got to sneak away to the uh, Kangaroo Orphanage, which was... Pretty cute. I was recording a podcast, so I didn't go, but Andrew got to go and feed all the little, Joey. little baby joeys, yeah, yeah that are rescued. Cute. Unfortunately, that's one of the things we see a lot whilst we're driving. There's a lot of roadkill road kill and stuff like that, but it's unavoidable, I guess. Um, yeah. Just given how many kangaroos are running wild, mm. and, and to see the wedgies out. I mean, there was wedge tail eagles all the way throughout Australia. I mean, we see them occasionally in Victoria, but yeah. Yeah, the how prolific they are, and particularly when we move further north. Yeah. But um, from Cooperpedia, we went to Uluru, which was a, which was amazing, and that was interesting because we then had to van lifeing with a cat is a different element. As I mentioned, we don't have a lot of insulation, so this van does get hot. Now we have been hooked up by a boat, which don't normally does. Home securities. Yeah, it's a, a sort of a all all purpose home security system. Yeah. And home monitoring system. Yeah. So they've hooked us up. Now this is not a paid ad by any means, but what we do have is obviously sensors on the doors, but it does give us sensors in terms of the um so if we leave the van at all, which is good considering where we were going, and someone breaks in, we get a photo through the camera. So we can point it wherever we want. But the other addition that we have is that it has heat, temperature, and also humidity sensors as well. So we don't ever leave our cat in the van if we're not in it. Um, he either comes with us, we've had to swallow our pride and get a pet pram, which was well, a conversation piece, particularly in Alice. conversation Marie. starter, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's so embarrassing anyway. Um so, yeah, so he's either with us or we're in the van with him with aircon on when we're plugged in. Um, if we even need to go to the supermarket, one of us runs in and we leave the van running with the aircon on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's only fair. I mean, we've dragged him on our tour and um, putting him into a, a hot environment isn't all that fair without being able to keep himself cool. And it is hot, and we don't have a fur coat. So, I mean, it is hot. Um I mean, we're talking 40 degrees at 8 a.m. in the morning, hot Celsius, um, particularly in the centre, dry, 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 dry heat. Um, just saps all moisture out of your skin. Yeah. Um, and it'd be tough. So we, we set up some rules that we make sure that we never leave him in a situation that uh, could cause him any harm. Yeah. So we have, 
so if we are to ever leave him in the van, which is not recommended and only on very extreme circumstances that we would have to do that, he's plugged in, has air conditioning, um, that's set to 16 or 18 degrees, and then we have a thermostat in here, which if it goes a couple of degrees above that, then we have enough time to get back to the van because we know that something's gone wrong and before it gets to a critical heat And situation. the abode system sends an alert to my phone saying, hey... Uh, it's reaching that temperature. You might want to go and uh, check on it. Check on him. Um, so, and we've set that temperature really low, so we have time to get back. But that is—it's not a paid ad by any sense of imagination. Although a boat, if you do want to sponsor the podcast, more than welcome. But it's um, just—we've had have had a few questions in regards to how do we cope with Georgie in the heat. Yeah. So, Uluru. Yeah, Uluru was amazing. I think it's one of those places that people tell you about about just how impactful and how impressive it is to see, but until you're actually there standing at the feet of it, uh, the size and its presence and the, the changing colours are quite remarkable. Both We were lucky enough to do both a sunset and a, and a sunrise. Yeah, that was amazing. And just to see the contrasting colours at both times of the day was... Particularly the sunset. It was a full... We were there like an hour and a half before the actual sunset. And it really changed every time we went, oh, that's the best... Like, I was thinking about leaving going, oh, that's probably the best it was getting. The next 15 minutes, it was a, it was even better. Like, it was just... So worth having that whole time frame beforehand, pull the, pull the chairs out. and um, Yeah, and it really was to the point where it was almost dark and the colours were still changing. It was something to behold, and I'm glad that we got a chance to do it. So that was a national park, so we couldn't take George into that. So there was a bit of a story behind that. So I had very um, carefully mapped all the way, all of our route up to Mount Isa, with Google Maps to make sure that I had all the times and distances and everything in terms of how long we wanted to be in the car. Um, we sort of said five five hours, but really we ended up doing six to eight hours every day. Um, it's it's what it's sort of what worked out because we what we realised is that there isn't much to see in between <laughs> unless you've got some sort of crazy four wheel drive and you're not bringing your cat with you for the drive. Yeah, which we don't have. We're in a van and. We have Georgie, so we can't go into national parks. Um, we had booked a pet-friendly hotel, but on booking, it was the one thing that I didn't do is from that hotel to Uluru, I went, oh, that'll be about an hour. And yeah, the, the idea was we were going to... Leave him in air conditioning. And go and do a tour and happily come back and... Know that he's in a hotel room and he's... With aircon and it's safe. an affordable hotel room. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, we were booking the tour, and the lady kind of sounded a bit weirded out that we were going to be wanting a five a.m. tour, and sort of said, "Oh, oh, you coming from there?" And we said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And she went, "Oh, you and you want the five a.m. tour?" And we said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And she so I said, "Oh, okay." You'll need to, and we said, can we organise a pickup from the hotel? She went, oh, no, 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 you'll need to make it to this other hotel for the pickup. And we went, oh, okay, that's okay. How long will it take us to get there? And it was a flippant comment just before we'd finished the phone call. Tour was booked. And she went, three hours. <laughs> yeah, I think um, a, a, a slight. I'll uh, own that one. <laughs> yeah, a, 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 
a, a slight blip in the fact that we would want be have to be up at two o'clock in the morning just to oh, make it to the five o'clock start. Leaving it too, let yeah. alone getting ready. Yeah. So yeah, we um that was interesting. So we made uh, an executive decision to, <laughs> to move change. a little bit closer. <laughs> we did. We changed locations, and the other place was outside of the national park, but it was not pet friendly. So we had to smuggle Georgie in. Yeah, Operation George. Enters Uluru. No, not Uluru because it no, was no. We didn't. Yeah, that's right. Not Uluru. It's it's the uh, the town outside Yulara. Yulara. Operation Georgie into Lady Yulara. <laughs> I can't imagine we're the first people that have done no, it. No, I think it happens all the time. It was tricky because there was a lot of staff around. Um, and the one thing that I will say about our cat is he doesn't climb curtains. He doesn't scratch. So the worst that we knew that was going to be a little bit of cat fur, we limited where he could go and we took deferrers. So there was absolutely no trace of him, but we still had to get in kitty litters and food bowls and feed and him. Without anyone <laughs> at reception realising what we we're doing. It was like something out of Ocean's Eleven or something. We were sort of timing it when the guards weren't there, you know, just... Uh, it was they it was a mission, but um, we were successful. <laughs> the guards being the hotel staff, yeah. we were successful, and then we had to. I didn't want him near any of the windows because we didn't want him to be seen. But then there was a field mouse in the room where I retreated. I was so disappointed to a stereotypical nineteen fifties cartoon. You yeah, know, up on a chair, screaming. Squealing. Yeah, I didn't quite go on the chair, but I was close. Yeah. Um, which was completely involuntary. I was so disappointed on myself. But anyway, that happened. But then he wanted to chase him and it was going under the curtains and, and whatnot. So that was not pleasant. But by doing that, we we were able to keep him in an air-conditioned room whilst we went and did our tours yeah. around Uluru, which was spectacular. And there was no chance the, the like, there's no chance with an air conditioning failing or anything like that. Although we had the aircon in the room, even if it did fail, it wouldn't get to, would have got to probably 25 degrees or something like that within. So it wouldn't have been a, a problem in terms of him. And that was the reason why we did it. But it was a bit of a mission. And anyway, that's all we'll say about that. We did it and he was, we were able to see Uluru and not break any of the no pets in National Park rules. That's correct. We don't. We definitely won't be breaking any of those rules. Uh, from there we went to Alice. Yeah, Alice, beautiful city that's um, that's really surprising. Sort of out of nowhere, the hills appear and there's a town in the middle of it and um, all these rocky outcrops protecting this town, uh, which is famous for not a great deal except for the, the secret military base that, uh, that everyone <laughs> in Australia so, knows not about. Not so secret. It's on Google Maps. Yeah. But it's interesting that... Like, just the vastness of the... Like, you really get a sense of the isolation, the vast... And the redness of the earth and, um, you know, all you see is sort of scrub and termite mounds for, you know... Kilometres and kilometres. Kilometres. And, and where, sudden, where, did we have, where did we have those massive storms that we went through? That was leading up to um, going into Coobapedi. So we actually didn't see a lot of the South Australian outback because that whole trip we were surrounded by enormous thunderstorms um, that followed us the whole way. Oh. It was remarkable, though. It was a very interesting drive. Lightning flashing left and right, big, big grey clouds rolling in. It was quite spectacular. Yeah, but, and they were low clouds too. We were like in the thunderstorm. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty crazy. So 
Um, we really just saw most of the desert sort of after Cleopedi in this, which actually changed quite a lot, didn't it? It got a lot more rocky. Yeah, much more rocky ridge lines. Alice. And, and yeah, and Alice brings in and of itself bit of hustle and bustle, uh, a lot of it to do with, you know, the, the working uh, military aspect of the town. But there's um, other stuff. There's there's a little bit of other stuff. I mean, there's a bit of mining and stuff like that. But that's uh, at, at its heart. That's what a lot of the the town revolves around. Mm, um, we might have to fact check you on that one. I'm sure there's other stuff there as well. But what was interesting though was, and we had heard about the petty theft and the car thief thefts and breakage and stuff, and there were CCTV cameras everywhere. And the divvy vans outside the police station, there would have been 30 divvy vans. Like, it was quite extraordinary. Um, And one of the things all through Central Australia that we found is that all of the campsites actually lock and close their gates, big spiked gates, at 10 o'clock at night because of the um, troubles that are in town in regards to the – in Central Australia. So that was a bit of a culture shock as well. But it was nice to sort of – I don't know, see a bit of the country that we hadn't seen. Alice surprised me in regards to, I don't know what I expected, but it was different to what I had thought. Yeah, well, there were still nice cafes. There was, oh, the cafe was amazing. Yeah. Um, and the, the camp the campsite that we stayed in was was really pleasant Lovely. and comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, no, look, um, it's probably a nice place to visit. Probably not a place I want to live. No. <laughs> Too bloody hot to live. Yeah. And from there, we went up to Mount Isa, which was interesting because well, are we going to comment on your hospital trip trip to Mount in Alice Springs? Wow, it was more of a bit of a a case of a um, didn't listen to your wife. No, just a case of years of neglect and not listening and to your wife. Not um, not sticking cotton buds in my ear. I had a bit of a blockage after a swim and um, was deaf as a post for a couple of days till we got it sorted out up in Mount Isa. Because you don't listen to your wife. Something along those lines. <laughs> I've been telling him for years he needs to get his ears cleaned out because he can never hear me. Um, Maybe <laughs> that's intentional. <laughs> and then it got so bad that he couldn't hear a thing. Anyways, um, so from Alice we went to Mount Isa where the mine is actually, one of the mines is actually in the town. So it dominates the town. And it's enormous. Yeah, it's a whole other, it's a whole other beast. Employing nearly two and a half thousand miners, and stretching for kilometres underground. But I didn't feel unsafe at all in Mount Isa. No. It's a very different. Yeah, there's definitely a, 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 a real shift in, uh, I suppose, incomes status, and economic yeah. status. Yeah, there was a lot of big trucks and a lot of nice houses in that area. So nice cars. Nice cars. Mm. And then we went up to Karumba. <laughs> well, we all make mistakes. No, look, it was just getting very hot and so hot that uh, I think as as you you might have quoted to somebody in the past that it was so hot that the crocodiles and the fish leave. Yeah, the barras left, yeah. So it's, it's famous for the barramundi up there, but apparently they even... They go to get, colder waters. yeah. In, in this time. I mean, we were facing 42, 43, 44 degrees Celsius, and it was unpleasant. And high, high, high humidity, because we've gone from the desert dry heat 
to coastal Gulf of Carpentaria, tropical. We're in the tropics now, and it's subtropics, tropic. I'd say tropics. Anyway, it was freaking hot. <laughs> yeah, it was uncomfortable. We had planned to be there three to four days. We had known that we were going to go through a great, fairly great speed in regards to the central part of Australia. And then we're going to take our time more around the East Coast. But it was, um, we got there and we pulled in and within five minutes we were like, we're leaving tomorrow morning. Oh, a lot of that was driven to the fact that the tours that we, like there was, um, the tours that we did want to do, unfortunately had had finished for the year because it got too hot. That everything that we were going to see on the tour had. Had taken off. Yeah. (laughs) Taken off to colder pastures. So, yeah. So, we... Hightailed out of there. The amount of enormous wedgetail eagles up that way was amazing. And particularly from Normanton to Corumba that hour. Oh, God, the road was so bad. So it was like a freaking roller coaster in terms of the bitumen. It was just terrible. Oh, roller coaster, probably not the best description. It's more like um, it was just a bouncy castle of. Up and down the, the it van. It was bouncy castle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, we weren't. There weren't so much big slopes, ups and downs. There were just a lot of bumps <laughs> and jumps and clatters. And if you imagine a van with with as many things locked down as possible, <laughs> this thing was, it was rat, rattling like a <laughs> poor Georgie. Yeah, he anyway, made it. Anyway, so we not a fan of Crumba, and then we headed basically east across the top end of um, Queensland. Pretty much as far as we could go without a four-wheel drive with the wet season coming and we hit the East Coast and we're now on the East Coast. We stopped through the Atherton Tablelands and that... Mount Surprise. Mount Surprise with the butterflies was amazing. Yeah, that was quite incredible. We pulled into our campsite and these thousands of butterflies were in the trees and they just lifted and then they'd come back and it was just spectacular. Yeah, the the park in and of itself was unique in the fact that you were basically parking in amongst big rainforesty type trees and as mm. soon as we you opened the door, you'd disturb 50 butterflies and they'd just sort of fly around you. It was something you'd see at a zoo, not at a caravan park. Or a Disney movie. Yeah, well, you felt like you were in a Disney movie just going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just going to the, you mean just opening the door and walking around? No, I mean going to the bathroom. Just walking to the bathrooms. Oh. The amenities. <laughs> um. So yeah, best parts of the trip so far. Oh look, I think Uluru has been pretty spectacular. I also enjoyed the uh, the kangaroo orphanage, but I. The, the, probably the thing that surprised me the most uh, has been the changing of the scenery uh, from you know, through South Australia, Northern Territory, and now Queensland. Just the richness of of the landscapes and the colours, um, but also uh, there was really only three colours. There was green, there was the red soil, and then there was the blue sky. Yeah, and for a location is is the other one was the devil's marbles which sort of caught me by surprise yeah that was a lot bigger um in terms of acreage yeah of the mar- like it, these rock formations that were just amazing granite stones that have formed through 
terribly sacred to the Aboriginal people. But yeah, remarkable. Um, Breathtaking when you see them up close. Um, Most challenging parts. Oh, look. For us, I guess, and for me, it's probably moving from where we used to live in a multi-bedroomed house where we can get out of each other's way to essentially living a tin can that's three meters by six meters long you know it's um it's hard to find some me time yeah and we have discussed this so we went through two years of lockdown in melbourne together and felt like we were underfoot there and then moved into the van Because that made logical sense. Uh, Well, we wanted to get out of Dodge. But it was... um... Look, that's... I mean, but it's not insurmountable. I mean, we... we, Good communication. The fact that you can open up the doors, put the awning out, and have a sort of a... The outdoor is your your lounge room type Mm. of thing, which is quite cool. And because we can... I don't know what the technical term is. Basically, the front passenger and driver's seat turn around for seating in the van and face the back of the van instead of facing forward out the windscreen. So that gives us more seating area. So someone can be chilling out in the bed and at the back of the van and the other person can be chilling out in one of the seats. So we can sort of have that as our escape if we want to stay in the air conditioning. Yeah. And look, you adapt. And the first, particularly the first week or so was was challenging, but I think we're sort of getting into a bit of a rhythm with it now. I think that's what it takes, just practice. Yeah, just getting used to it. For me, it's that, but also the feeling of vulnerability in regards to just how isolated we were. And that comes into, I've mentioned before on the podcast that I've got anaphylaxia, but when you're eight hours away from a nearest medical care, if something was to go wrong and I was to get stung by something, and when you've got bee, a bee venom allergy, you have to be careful of wasps and you have to be careful of ants and everything in the outback's bigger and wants to, <laughs> wants to eat you. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the, even the normal ants, not even the bull ants were enormous. Super-sized ants. Super-sized. Um, so, yeah, so I have to be more careful in regards to that. And Just you're yeah, conscious of your own safety and your well-being through not putting yourself in risk. So No, but then saying that, I was hanging out the washing yesterday and I got stung by something I don't know what and I ended up in hospital. You're a magnet. <laughs> yeah. Well, we dealt with it. We have the, uh, we're luckily on the East Coast here, we were close to some medical facilities and got you sorted out. Yes, but... That was one of my biggest concerns heading through Central Australia. I did feel that level of... I totally get that. And I think um, we'd have to call on the Royal Flying Doctor Service or something (laughs) to airlift you out of there in an emergency. Well, eight hours later. Anyway, that was was my biggest um, feeling of vulnerability and challenge in terms of mental, I would say, apart from obviously adapting to the living quarters and stuff, but it was just that level of vulnerability. I hadn't, I think anybody that has an, an anaphylaxis, which is still quite new for me, but it really shook me in regards to when it happened. And I think in terms of when it's an insect, I think different in terms of a food allergy, you can help mitigate the risks if you're cooking for yourself, if you're avoiding avoiding things. But when it's an yeah. an insect, you've got no control over it. And that's, yeah, that's been a really hard mental shift for me. Yeah. Um, 
best parts. I'd say just seeing the countryside. Have we gone through best parts? Seeing the countryside. Kind of, yeah, we have. But yeah, look, I know that that it can be sometimes quite tiring for you, but just the drive has been quite incredible. Incredible. Like I know we pushed ourselves a few times to to go a little bit further than we thought we were capable of doing, but uh, generally speaking, there isn't a great deal in between to stop and look at <laughs> once you've seen the first hour of dirt. the outback and dirt you've seen the fifth hour sixth hour seventh hour of dirt um so plenty of time to listen to, to great podcasts plenty of times to have oh what great podcasts are you listening to babe oh we were listening to yours yeah which is quite remarkable no we were listening to all sorts of and you um, never listened to the podcast that's because I hear your voice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I and don't. you love it, baby. And you I should love listen it. to more of it. Oh, I know. And I, in my downtime, there's nothing more than I'd like <laughs> to listen to is more of your voice. Um, <laughs> You're such a shit. <laughs> in, my, in our defense, we're um, using it as a way to ask ourselves universal questions of, of the universe. Like, do you think birds... <laughs> judge each other on how well they fly. No. No, I never asked you that. I asked you that question. Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, because there was a bird that nearly, well, let's be honest. We've had <laughs> about 20 birds kamikaze themselves into the van, and it led me to the question like, do other birds look at those birds that run into us and go, they're really shit at flying? There was a stretch of... A day of driving, which was about six, a six-hour drive, eight-hour drive, and these finches. There were thousands of them, but we <laughs> kamikaze, and I had the pleasurable job of extricating them from, from the front grill. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't just one; it was like five at a time, and then we'd stop for petrol, have to pull out another five. <laughs> oh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but the, it 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 wasn't. It, I don't take any joy at that, and it makes I, I'm a big softy, and it makes it me sad. quite sad. But uh, I couldn't avoid them, and they they couldn't avoid me, obviously. <laughs> but it led me to ask the question: Do you think that their friends sit there and go, "He's really shit at flying"? <laughs> oh no, it's like the buffalo herd theory that the lions pick off the weakest, so we just made the flock stronger. Yeah, no, it's um. Yeah, it's an experience definitely driving through those those central uh, those central parts of Australia and just seeing the wildlife sometimes incredibly up close and personal. <laughs> As you're pulling them out As of the grill. As you're pulling them out of the grill of your car. <laughs> yeah. With a screwdriver. <laughs> oh, that was because you couldn't actually yeah, get the, it out. <laughs> that one was wedged in pretty tight. <laughs> we had to flick him out, poor thing. Uh, Peter, it was on unintentional yeah <laughs> um yeah now we're doing the east coast which will be a lot more leisurely a lot more humid we're in 77 percent humidity and there's a fire we're at 33 degree heat at the moment and there's a five degree temperature it drops down to 27 degrees at night and it looks quite bearable at at night time uh with the awning out sitting in the shade a breeze comes in off the ocean and it's actually not too bad. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Still getting used to the um the heat. 
But that's it, everybody. Just wanted to give you a, an update. George is doing well. He's fast asleep. Just here, listening to you and me. In the driver's chair. In the, dri- in the captain's in the, chair, as I call it. When we're sitting in the other ones. Um, so, yeah, guys, if you have any further questions, we'll give you another update soon. I'm hoping that the podcast now will have internet connectivity with Starlink. Um, we are north of Cairns, but apparently it's from Cairns down. So we shall see. Fingers crossed. Um, so hopefully we can resume that because it was a lot worse than what I thought going around Australia. <laughs> that has actually been one of the challenges that I've... Yeah, it's complicated. Um, the, the Starlink satellites themselves um, are using a very advanced technology. So um, I'm still learning more about them every day. But uh, it does require a very clear sky, and that's been and, the biggest challenge. Yeah. So even when we're well, there's either no satellite coverages, or we're staying somewhere as trees, and you can't anyway. Yeah. So we've had issues, but um, fingers crossed. From now on, we'll be okay. Yeah, that's the plan. All right. I think there's anything else. All good. All right. Take care, everybody. See ya. Bye. Thanks for taking a moment to listen, everyone. We hope this episode inspired you as much as it did us. If you know somebody who also needs a little inspiration, then please share this podcast with them. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast app and rate and review us because that helps inspire us to keep making them. 